Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender, and with me is my fellow host, Keith McLeod, and special guest, Craig Russell. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through every single release by Every Time I Die. Will you be taking us through every single release? Because I'm not ready for that. <laughs> okay, every album that they released. I'm just going to talk about Every Time I Die. How does that sound? Sounds great. Welcome back, everyone. We've got our. Uh, we've also got our first returning guest. Yeah. Craig Russell is joining us tonight to step in for uh, the, the our special guest that couldn't make it. Thank you very much for stepping in at short notes, Craig. That's all right. Thanks for having me back. You're more than welcome. And welcome to the listeners, if this is your... First time listening to Alive or Just Blethering. Well, was it Every Time I Die that brought you here? Is it the sadness that is Every Time I Die breaking up? Or or, or, what, or what else was it? Give us a shout on AOGB, at AOGB Pod on either Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or, or somewhere else that we might have socials. And uh, yeah, welcome back to returning listeners. We're, uh, this is going to be a sad one, I think. I'm, uh, I'm definitely upset, shall I say. Yeah, I'm gutted. And I called it as well. I think I remember and it was too too Craig. When yep. it all sort of the, the the shit started hitting the fan at the beginning of December, end of November, there was a, a public outburst and I was like, They're done. And this this is this isn't gonna end well. And yeah, what do you know? Month and a half later, it's fucking over. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. I suppose it has. It's I don't know, like, I, I don't want to just gossip for the next hour and a half about what the breakup was because we'll never know. And there's been a lot of stuff, predominantly from Keith, sort of coming out online as to who did, who said what and what was done and who abused who over for 20 years, etc. But at the end of the day, what I think I see is an absolute implosion and breakdown of, uh, of between Keith and Jordan. It's it's sad. No matter what way you look at it, no matter whose oh, side you, if you if you're one of the people out there that's taken a side, you know it, it makes no odds. This is just a bad way to end. A bad way to end an amazing band fully, because that's that to me that's what they were, and that was part of what I enjoyed about Every Time I Die was they just seemed like a, a band that were out on the road for the fun of it. These guys weren't doing stadium tours. They they never got they never put themselves or or I don't know, accepted the position of like big stadium tours. Like I don't think I've seen these guys do like SECC or anything. Or maybe they did bigger places in the US, I don't know. But they came over here, they did small to medium sized venues and they fucking destroyed them every time. And it was just, I've seen Every Time I Die three times, and it was just an amazing show. The guys are always out there meeting fans. They just seemed like a really hard-working band who enjoyed it for the fun of it. And now you see this breakup where actually it's the complete disintegration of the band themselves that has has, has taken them out. Yep. Agreed. It's, uh, it is really, really sad, man. Um, they're definitely the, for me anyway, like... They're definitely the band's band, if you know what I mean. Like they're the hard-working, typical, atypical musicians that are keen to get out there. And you're right; I don't think I've ever seen them in play at a big venue. It's, uh, but it's always been an experience for sure. Yeah, great band. Absolutely. So 
Lav, where, where did you start with Every Time I Die? My start with them was a DVD that came for free with... Oh, fuck, here we go again. With uh, Metal Hammer or something. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> the road, And it was like the Roadrunner Road Rage album. Um, Road Rage like oh, videos. And there was two Every Time I Die ones and they were both from Hot Damn. So it had the video for uh, Ebolorama and the mm-hmm. video for Floater. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember, I'm sure, is it the Ebolorama one, which is like the, the they're on skates, like in a, yeah, a skate hall. Yeah, hole. it's like a roller rink, yeah. Yeah, I'm so sure. that, was, that was my first introduction to Every Time I Die. And I distinctly remember them sounding like nothing else I'd listened to up to that point. Sure. They... Uh, I don't know. At the time, we've, we've spoke about Caliban last week, um, the week before that, Avenged Sevenfold, and Hot Damn comes out, and it's just different. Very different. Very unique. And it, it made me sit up and pay attention. Uh, and then the following year, when Got a Phenomenon came out, I remember the DJ from the night we used to go to at Subway Cowgate. Okay, I thought you were going to say a band. No, 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 the DJs. Like DJ Lethal. <laughs> Bring it on! No, uh, it was uh, Stubop. He used to have Champin' at the Bit on his MySpace page. And that and, and that's when I was like, fucking hell, this band's great, eh? And I got, got a phenomenon. And I actually have Hot Damn. I have Hot Damn and Got a Phenomenon. I bought from, I think I bought it from HMV or Virgin Megastore. I have those CDs as well. I've, yeah, I've got Hot Damn and Gutter Phenomenon. And I think I got them like on a, like a two for 15 quid or a two for a tenner deal. But I also managed to get Last Night in Town on CD from Avalanche. It was in like the, yeah. the, the second hand bin. And yeah, fucking oh, love the band. I've, I'd, well, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't miss them out. But yeah, Bob, what about you? For me, oh, uh, so for me, every time I, every time I die for me <clears throat> was uh, a band that I instantly loved because, as we've covered uh, the, the last time I was on, um, I was definitely from more of a, a bluesy background. And for me, every time I die, I checked all those boxes. It was heavy, it was fun, it was fast. And I'm pretty sure I stumbled across them probably kind of from just heading out into town to be fair it was one of those random things and it just ended up in my collection um i could never really pinpoint exactly when but i've got a really funny feeling that i've been listening to them very much since the very beginning so whenever the first album was what 2001 2002 something like that something like that last night in the town is 2001 yeah you know um many a night sitting about with brendo listening to logic of crocodiles (laughs) Did you know that Last Night in Town was produced by Adam D? It was, was it? Yep. No. Fucking. Well, this is the thing. Like, so Take that! <laughs> we try and prepare for, for, for these episodes and we try and look into all the albums and stuff like that. There was, ju- there was just too much. Too, like, too much information for me to try and absorb here. Yeah. I went, I'm, I, I listened to, the, the day that they announced their breakup in, in, my, in my sadness, I've, I had a, 11 hour shift at work so I just every time I got a, a min- minute I had my headphones in and I was just going through their albums chronologically from start to finish and I managed to spot the moment that I think they it all came together for them especially you know you compare last night I think you even messaged me last night in town into Hot Damn 
they're very much uh, probably more typical hardcore albums now going back to them sounding a lot like the Norma Jeans, the Chariot, uh, those sort of like noise bands that we might have listened to in 2005. Gut Phenomenon certainly sounds much cleaner and tidier than what they sounded like previously. But to me, the big dirty is that's their stride. That's when they fully got the full step. Everything is in place. Stars are aligned. And probably up to that point, the best sounding album. And it really made me, as much as I'd love them, it made me absolutely think that this is the best band and they've never released a bad album. And to date, they've never made a bad song or a bad album. Yeah, I totally agree. They've never released a bad album, as far as I'm concerned. But for me, I didn't find them. I I didn't find them until 2004. It was 2004. And it was the the mixtape, the mix CD that I referenced on Avenged Sevenfold, where I'd heard... I never forget the name of that song. Enter Shikari. Unholy Confessions. Thank you. Where I'd first heard Unholy Confessions on that mixtape as well was Floater. Yeah. Floater to me still stands as well as one of my favourite Every Time I Die songs. And I think for them it's one of their songs as well because I think they played it every time I saw them. But Floater for me just grabbed me by the nuts and I, and I was there. Like I, I love that, loved that song and got into that album very, very quickly. But then... Admittedly, Gurt Phenomenon just didn't... I don't know, I think I went a different way in like sort of 2005, 2006. I joined a power metal band. So, you know, I went and started listening to your Triviums and your Dream Theatres and your fucking Sonic Syndicates. No, not Sonic Syndicates. I forget the name of the band I'm thinking of. But, you know, I, I sort of went off in that direction and definitely moved away from hardcore. And I didn't come back to Every Time I Die until 2014 when they released From Parts Unknown. I think I dabbled. I think I'd heard songs, but I never really cared. And it was 2014's From Parts Unknown that I was that sort of made me go back over everything mm-hmm. and think, Christ, what, what, what have I missed here and why? And yeah, that, that was certainly something that made me sort of stand up and, and notice Every Time I Die again that I'd kind of not ignored them, but just hadn't really given them much time for about eight years and four albums and but from parts from 2014 i have been all about this all about this band yeah i think it's i have a similar sort of relationship i think it was after after the big dirty you had new junk aesthetic and x lives both fantastic albums but I was listening to different music at that point. Uh, and so I did sort of step away from them. And yeah, it was from Parts Unknown that got me right back into them. Again, by 2014, my tastes had gone full circle and I was back to uh, going through what what was coming out. And then, yeah, you go back to X Lives, you go back to New Junk Aesthetic. And yeah, New Junk Aesthetic's got, like you said, one of, one of the great songs on it. Wanderlust, fantastic track. Incredible. Um, so good. And then, you know, X Lives, that, that too has got some um, typical miracle, I Suck Blood, fantastic songs. Every album has its bangers. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there is no bad album. And, and every album has some incredible songs. Admittedly, 
even if I do go back and listen to some of these albums now, New Junk Aesthetic is a bit different for me, but maybe like Gut Phenomenon, The Big Dirty, X Lives don't carry as much for me as what them from Parts Unknown, Low Teens, and then Radical did. Albeit, I've struggled a bit to get into Radical. No, no, that's a complete, didn't mean that. I've not struggled to get into it, but I suppose they drip fed like six songs over a year through the pandemic. You know, they released half the album, almost. So I sort of knew half of it. And then, when did it actually come out? October? It came out October 22nd, and by by October 22nd, there had been six singles released from it. Right, so October 22nd, you then were into November, we then started to see some, like, cancelled shows or whatever, there seems to be a bit of an, there seems to be something in the air around November, and then, obviously, very start of December, we get, sort of, Keith's statement about they tried to fire me and stuff like that. So, I don't know, it just threw Radical out for me, and I've not, it's, it's an amazing album, uh, all This and War is an incredible song. In fact, there's hundreds of incredible songs on that album. But like, as soon as I first listen through, like, for me, if, if you pick up a song like instantly first listen, then you know you're in for a good album. And All This and War stood out for me immediately. Like, that, that, that song punches. But it's still, Radical's still in a weird place for me. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't. Because I've absolutely taken to it like a fish in water, a duck on water. Man. I'll, just, I'll just go fuck myself. I'll just go fuck myself. Cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I kind of get what you're saying, though. I think, I mean, for me, like, Radicals is a, a, it is a great album. That I've listened to it probably more since the announcement of the the breakup and is stuff it as tainted? well. Is Is that fair to say? Is it a bit tainted? <laughs> Overshadowed. Overshadowed. Yeah. You know, it's a, a lot of it is to do with that. You know. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I can understand you where you're coming from, but yeah, it's an absolute banger from the get go. I mean, it was one of the. I was really excited for it to come out. To be honest, I mean, you were you were going through there talking about all the albums from the past. I mean, for me, like I was really into the earlier stuff, and I think like both of you were saying at one point, I think we all sort of diversified the way into listening to some other different types of bands, different types of music. But for me, it was yeah, there was a couple albums that you skip, and then since from parts unknown, they've been a band that have been heavily back into my rotation and. Yeah hasn't ever really left you know so yeah i can understand what you're saying though totally consistency though i mean if we're talking about a great band if we're talking about not releasing a bad album if we're you know the last from 1998 onwards that's what these guys have delivered is each album changes and progresses and gets better and the band themselves get tighter etc 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 but like every album is still an Every Time I Die album. Every album is, is still consi- consistent. One thing I noticed is that they never bowed to any trend. So so yeah, if absolutely. the trend of the time was bass drops or drum and bass breaks, there's none of that. If there was a, a trend for, for just chucking a random breakdown in or a if you, you know, go down the not loose route of like arf arf, there's none of it. They did what they did and every album sounds like an Every Time I Die album. Interestingly, though, speaking of consistency, almost every album, not every album, but almost every album had a different producer. Yeah, yeah I was just seeing that yep. just now, actually. The last two, so Radical and Low Teens, are both produced by Will Putney. Massive name in the hardcore scene. And I would argue that they are probably the most metallic-sounding albums that they've made. Parts Unknown 
is produced by Kurt Ballou, who is the guitarist from Converge. Yeah. And I would say that Parts Unknown is the one that sounds the most unique out of all of them. It's got a there's something about it. I try to put I can't put my finger on it, but the sound that Kurt has has captured from the band is very different to the one that Will has. Will has made them sound super fucking heavy, and it's great. I love it. I think it's interesting that from Parts Unknown 2014, the from the the, the Twitter burst. From from the bassist like Stephen mm. Michichi, yeah. Sorry if I butchered that, mm-hmm. Steve. But he put out a lot of information, and I think I think it was his from his Twitter burst or from something sort of Keith followed up with as well. The band should have broken up in 2014. Apparently, there's been a lot of tensions over the duration of the band, and someone I've read something at some point. Someone said it should have the band should have ended in 2014. And for me, 2014 and from Parts Unknown is a turning point musically. Like, that's everything before that, I would say, is like one one phase. If, if we were going to compare it to the, you know, the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, everything up to 2014 is like phase one. And then phase two is from, from Parts Unknown, in my head anyway. Like, I think the sound, you can sort of, the sounds are there. But what was it, lad? Who? What album did you did you say you think they found their sound? The Big Dirty. The Big Dirty. That's the one where I, f- I feel like the, it was building up to that because it's the first like really southern sounding one throughout. It's got the bigger. It's got big riffs in it, and they'd done it. Don't get me wrong; they were they were showing that in previous releases. But the Big Dirty. It's just throughout the whole album. It's just They're from Buffalo, New York. I know, right? Well, at least not southern in the fucking slightest. Again, Buffalo rock, <laughs> southern rock. It is southern rock. Is that southern sound? It's got that. There's a twanginess, there's that bluesiness that that Bob I was talking about there. It's got something to it. Give my heart. To Just me. looking at the dates, though. Looking at the timeline of events, 2014, after the release of From Parts Unknown, their drummer at the time, Ryan Ledger, he left. After parts unknown, these guys have had more drummers than Metallica's had bassists. That's that's a fact. I'm gonna. You keep saying this, right? Metallica's had three bassists, right? It's a. Have you, you seen I mean, how many bassists every time I die have had? More than three. Five, six, six of them. Really? Yeah. Going back to night from '98 to ah, technically five. One of them came back. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> John, Aaron, Stephen, Kevin, Chris, Josh, and then back to back to Stephen. So no, they have had six. So there they have been have been a bit of a rotating lineup, and this kind of flies against something that me and me and Keith have brought up previously about the bands with the best longevity or most consistency is that usually it's consistent band members, and officially there are only three consistent band members: Keith, Jordan, and Andy. Yeah, the, the, the yeah, you're, you're you're totally right. The, the... The um the rhythm section has fluctuated massively within this band, but you have had Keith Jordan and Andy in it from the beginning, and give me a better rhythm lead pairing than Jordan Buckley and Andy Williams. I fucking know, man. Those two, those two right. are just impossible. Those two are just <laughs> so on point with each other. It just blows my mind how 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 good. 
that they can play off of each other and play with each other is just. Mm. But that's the, that's that's why they've had the longevity. They've yeah. got two guys that literally can bounce off of each other, bounce ideas around. You know, obviously there's the three of them, but as the musical backbone of that band, I mean, those two must just rip riffs out constantly and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, let's go try this. You know, um, it also shows the importance of having that sort of bond you know the fact that you can replace your bassist and your drummer you know quite easily savage hey keith <laughs> no uh, you no, could I never replace me and you never tried never never <laughs> no but no I, I, you're totally right though like um keith jordan and andy man just those three combined are a hell of an influence and actually that's what makes this a lot worse to take you know a lot mm. harder to take a lot worse to take i can't even speak a lot harder to take is that we're going to lose that element. I'm sure that we'll get as many reincarnations of whatever it is that they want to do, but we've actually lost a very, very important band to the scene. It sounds like the band are ready to come back. It sounds like the band want to continue. The the, the four-piece want to come back and do something. So it's, it's going to be Every Time I Die, sans Keith, which is kind of how this maybe all started. With, with you know with with the concept of they want to fire me blah 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 blah, but I I, I won't be surprised if by the end of twenty twenty two we've got a, a you know the Jordan, Andy, Steve, and Clayton Goose are back in a band with a different frontman. Yeah, it it almost does sound like it could be a very quick turnaround process. That as well, honestly, I I, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Um, and, and again, that would be consistent with the longevity that these guys have, is that if they have any uh, ideas that they were thinking about, you know, I'm sure they've got a bag full of tricks, and at some point they're just going to rip them out. I'll, I'll be honest, if I ever thought every time I die we're going to break up, I thought it would have been because Andy would leave to become a professional wrestler. He is now a professional wrestler, and I'm like, how the hell is he balancing that? I mean, the dude's a fucking unit. But he's he's he, he 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 just seemed to have this wrestling career that was like going from strength to strength to strength, and I was like, how how can he do the band at the same time? But it, apparently, it was working. He just he was a hard worker, and yeah, his 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 guitar playing style and Jordan's just paired up beautifully, and I would I would be sad if those two, even just those two alone, didn't go off and do something, because I think they have. Amazing talent that I think it it is sad that that is that has been lost. But this may have been this may be the moment for Andy to be like, I don't need to tour the world anymore. I'm gonna just stick to the wrestling. And then Jordan and Clayton and, and Stephen maybe go off and do something. Who knows? And maybe make something that sounds a little different, or they end up making a Saint Anger. Who fucking knows? Oh, how could you <laughs> see no. that? It could happen. I'm just saying that these things can happen no. when when certain creative uh, forces are no longer at play. Things can can go a little wild. See, I don't know. I I don't think that Andy Williams would do that and, and leave. I, I I think if you look at that band and the way that they tour, why they tour, why they play the venues they do, the passion that they put into it, for them, that is their passion. Like. Yeah. Have you ever been at an Every Time I Die show and walked out thinking, ah, that was okay? It just doesn't happen. And it's mostly because of the music, but also because they put on a hell of a show. Every single one of them do. 
I mean, there's there's you know? three, four defining characters on on an every time I die stage. Keith's Keith, Jordan is all over the fucking stage. Andy is just an immovable object, just absolutely battering you with riffs the whole time. And then you've got as we're sort of identifying who is ever on drummer bass, like, like just playing there. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? In fairness for Stephen, he has been the longest serving bassist and he only he basically took six years off, effectively. He joined for Hot Damn, he left Big Dirty and he came back for um, X-Lives. So he's... Yeah. He's, he's, he's been there since 2011 and I think he's been on some of their best material. I, 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 absolutely. There, there's a there's even a change, like I'm saying, from... In, from 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 parts unknown, that's a difficult one to say. There's there's just some something for me like maybe just clicks with with the songwriting and just just elevates things a little bit, a little bit more. And and Steve Machici's part of that. So you keep mentioning from parts unknown. Would you say from parts unknown is your favorite album? Oh, you son of a bitch! It is a good one. I think mm. you're about to go right. Okay, let's let's play Desert Island Discs. You're about to be stranded on a desert island, and you're allowed to take two every time I die albums, just two. Which two do you take? Bob, I opened the floor to that question to you as well. Easy. Right, go for it because I am torn. I don't know. I kind of like the silence of waiting you uh, waiting on you uh, giving an me. answer. Right, but... one of them with a shadow of doubt is Hot Damn. You cannot, you cannot beat Hot Damn. That is, that is just something special, that album. Maybe because the rose tinted glasses on, the reason this podcast exists, nostalgia, like, that is my first listening of that band. Hot Damn is there. And I suppose from that point on, New Junk Aesthetic should get a shout. Definitely, obviously, from Parts Unknown. But Low Teens, man. Oh, Map change? C++? The coin has a say? Oh my god, these songs are incredible. Mm. It's a tough one, it's isn't it? It's so Absolutely. tough. It is Map so, change so tough. Changes, changes my life. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful song. But then, Go to Radical, and one of the songs I was really sort of unsure about, but the more I listen to it, the more I love it, is Post Boredom. Mm-hmm. You know, just just st- just standout moments like that. So, hot damn! And let's hear Bob Egg's suggestion, and I'll come back to you. Okay, so the two that I would choose, I can tell you straight off the bat, and the reason that I would choose them is that I think that both albums that I'm going to choose cover from the very beginning sounds right up to where I think they really hit the peak of their maturity and where they were as a band especially recording wise so I agree with you on uh, Hot Damn Hell yeah. because that's an album that's very special to me from my younger days growing up but it's also just an absolute banger I mean that mixtape, sorry to completely interrupt you that mixtape I'm talking about, you were there man that was like our, that was when mm-hmm. we met that was our first band together like yep. you are half the reason I know this band so like there's a very special special place for it no for totally man there. totally and that, and it's the same for myself as well like that 
that album holds uh, a lot of memories you know it's a good year but yep but also uh on my side as being a musician like you know a failed one but you know like to, like to dabble <laughs> um but uh i would have to go from uh from parts unknown and purely for the simple fact that i think it is one of their best recorded albums and i do mean that maybe it's got a lot to do with the production um but I just thought it really stood out. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it later, um, like for, for specific tracks. But I just love the way that it flows. And then all of a sudden you've got Moore smack bang in the middle. And then it jumps away from that. For me, those are the two. The two albums, man, without a doubt. The, the, the new one is great. But I haven't had enough time to digest it properly. Like I said, I think it's been tainted. I'm sure I will at some point go back and listen to it. But yeah, that's my two easy what about you lad uh the big dirty and from parts unknown and uh, and it is like it would be taking the big dirty and from parts unknown and just like looking back at low teens as 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 the boat as the boat sails away just going <laughs> i love low teens low teens is incredible uh i think it's one of their best written albums but from a sound perspective parts unknown just sounds magnificent and it i have to i have to give it to to kurt i think kurt has done something with those guys that he's absolutely nailed in the mix the big dirty is just to be contradictory i'd take hot damn over it probably but big dirty is because it it was um it's the first time i listened to an album end to end and was like i fucking love this band and i can't take that away i'd already absolutely been there but this was the one that was like oh it's there to me it was the third album i'd heard usually that difficult third album it's and that's when i realized that now nah, this band is here to stay and yeah um i think we are wolf is yeah probably my favorite every time i die song it's very good just gets me fucking moving every time so the plan is we're going to get stuck on a, uh, an island but we're all going together because we only need one copy or from parts unknown, but we can all take a different album each, and then we've kind of covered a lot oh, of bases. Grand. We're fine. Well, this is, so this <laughs> is the thing. So Bob Egg, you've gone for Hot Damn and from parts unknown. Lav, you've gone for the fucking what is it? The Big Dirty and from parts unknown. <laughs> but I can take right, low teens. I can take low teens as a no, as no, no. A, no it's fine. It's fine because I'll take low teens. Okay. Then at least that way we'll have. Four albums? Four different albums? We'll survive. I'm sure we'll survive with six Every Time I Die albums. No, definitely. Definitely. So There's a song for every occasion. Gigs, who's... We've, we've all seen Every Time I Die. We've all seen Every Time I Die at the same same show as well, but how many times have we seen the band? I've, I count four. I've seen them four times. Dis- See, I was trying to work this out. Disappointingly, I've only ever seen them once. And it, Wait, wow. that, that one? Really? I mean, that's a good show. No... That was a good Can't show. knock it. Laugh had it. Laugh had a great time at that show. Did. <laughs> um, I don't know. I reckon I'm maybe five or six times. I've been trying to count it, but I haven't really had that long to think about it. But I'm definitely into the five or six. First time I saw them, they were supporting Architects. They then came back and did a UK tour off of the back of that very quickly. There was a very quick turnaround, and they came back. So I saw them at ABC in Glasgow supporting Architects. They absolutely wiped Architects off the floor. No offence, Architects. They then very quickly came back round and did a UK small UK tour and did King Tut's. I then saw them in Germany 
And then I saw them in Manchester. Four times. Nice. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at it. I've been trying to figure it out. Oh yeah, I've not looked back at the years or the venue or all the venues and stuff like that. But was Manchester twenty seventeen? Twenty eighteen. Because that was their last UK tour. Wow, that sucks. Because yeah. I made a promise after seeing that, I'm like the next time they come round, every time they come to town, I am going to see them. Hmm. And I've not had that chance. <laughs> we had tickets to see them in February, but. Uh, we're going for a curry instead. Yeah. No, I'm definitely five or six times. Definitely. That last that last show was just phenomenal, though. So that was so higher, that was higher power, knock loose, comeback kid, and every time I die. What a lineup! Absolutely perfect. I can't even think yep. who I've seen them with, other than to say that I know I saw them support Architects, but I don't. I don't know who else other than that Manchester show as well I remember Comeback Kid but I don't I don't know who else I've seen them play with Vegas Baby Vegas Baby anyone who wants anyone who wants in on that and on that little in joke there had been beverages consumed and the the Comeback Kid guitarist uh, has a, a black Gibson SG with big white letters very very big prominent white letters that says vegan Quite easy to read as well. Very, very, very clear. It's a very clear font, isn't very. it? Very. Like, extremely clear. Like, I managed to see it quite perfectly, actually. I was like, it's like impact font. Well, actually, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there was a speaker announcement from the guitar. Like, every five seconds, it just said vegan. May as well. Vegan. Vegan. <laughs> May as well. But Keith, uh, as we were talking about it after we left the show, I thought it said Vegas. And we were in fucking st- Ditches. Absolutely one of those jokes you had to be there for. You had to be there, but my God. Ah, crawling off the, crawling up the, up the way back to Manchester from the Academy. Oh, yeah, I think we were trying to get out of the taxi. No, that was a, I mean, that was a cool <laughs> show because we we decided to, to, you know, leave Edinburgh and go to go to a different city to see Every Time I Die. And, and that, that was a cool thing to... Be in a different yep. city and to see them. Like I say, I've, I've I saw them in Germany as well. I saw them in Cologne. So like that was that was cool. You're in a completely different city. You, you you're in a completely different country. You sort of don't really know the gist of. Th- you think you don't know the gist of things, but let's face it, gigs are gigs. They're the same wherever you are. And yeah, there I am, just watching every time I die, and I'm like, this is fucking cool. I'm and gonna I'm gonna correct you on that one. So there was a gig that I chose to travel down to Newcastle for where all of my friends went to the show in Glasgow. And this was 2006, I believe. Sorry, I said ironic because what I understood there was all your friends from Newcastle went to Glasgow, but that's not... No, no, no. I was in Edinburgh and I'd made a, a... I'd very recently made a small group of friends that were into the same music that I listened to. And... I'd already bought my tickets to go and see Architects and the Chariot in Newcastle. So I went down to that show. And it was okay. It was a good show. But then, two days later, I think they played Glasgow. And I hear all the stories of how good the Glasgow show was with the Chariot and Architects with their original singer. I don't even know what venue it was at. Boy, you were there. There is a a very famous MySpace picture of, of the whole gang under a bridge. Oh. It's just one of those moments. 
Oh, is your point that like a, a, a gig actually isn't just a gig is a, a gig in any city? Is that what you're sort of meaning? I'm saying that the, the people of the city make a show better. The other example I would have of that is is uh, Blink-182. When I saw them in Glasgow, the crowd was better. When I saw them play in Manchester, they sounded better, but the crowd was shit. Yeah. No, okay, so let me clarify. What I meant was, I didn't know what to expect turning up to the gig, but it was, like, just a gig. There was nothing special about it being in a different country. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. it was a venue that had a bar that was selling beers and plastic cups, etc. blah, 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 blah. So it was a, a very similar environment. But you're right, a crowd absolutely makes a gig. And... Glasgow make the best shows, <laughs> apparently, according to all the bands that come there. Can't argue with that. They're not wrong, I don't think. I don't think they're wrong. There's still a banger of a show, that, though. Great. I time. mean, if, if if we're going to say that that was the last time that we ever got to see Every Time I Die, I'd take it. Be like, fine. No, totally. It like, was great. Not, not just that, but, I mean, I wasn't even a massive Comeback Kid fan. before. I'm still not a massive Comeback Kid fan, but, Lab, I think you tried to drill them into me before the... The, the show and yeah I listened to a few albums and, and absolutely I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like Comeback Kid don't kill me guys but to have Comeback Kid staring daggers right now <laughs> to have Comeback Kid Vegas Baby and Every Time I Die great show an amazing show you still don't like lock, Knock Loose though do you? nah good fuck no incidentally that Every Time I Die show though I was actually more buzzing for Comeback Kid because they returned that album that I'm just uh, still blown away by. But yeah, that's a different story. But yeah. Well, how many times have you seen Comeback Kid? Then now you're asking a question. Um, I've only seen Comeback Kid twice. Yeah, so you've, you've if you've seen Every Time I Die, like, what, five, six times, you sort of know what to expect. Comeback Kid, still maybe a bit new, a bit fresh. I may have seen Comeback Kid six or seven times. They might be the band I've seen more than any other band. Noise. For uh, second place, might be Enter Shikari because <laughs> you couldn't fucking escape them. Maybe now that uh, every time I die, are no longer with us, I can just I can I can put more time into Comeback Kid. You should. Their new album's fantastic as well, and it doesn't look like they're going to break up after it either. It is a banger. Great. Yes, sir. Don't hate each other. Heavy Steps. It's a good one. They're another band that consistency is key. They don't rush a release. I think they they've generally five or six years between albums at some points certainly recently they've only you know two or three albums they've had Outsider in 2017 and then there's Heavy Steps come out in 2022 and before that was what Die Knowing and that was like 2013 so you know they 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 only release an album when they're ready to release one but it means that the quality of that album is second to none two two bands though that also kind of matured around the same time with the recordings and that as well I do think that like both of them did you know um, we're on Comeback Kid at the moment yeah Comeback Kid around about that time just got insanely good um, but it's so were every time I die you know peak I think it is you think they, they all peaked in 2014 no but they were certainly emerging to do more at that point I think by that point a band is is usually on a on a fence of whether it's gonna keep doing what they're good at doing, or for f- reasons unknown they change to widen their their audience or approach or whatever. And too many times, 
I think I feel like I see it more often than not. A band expands its sound to become more accessible. Architects have done it twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Second time, not for the best either. I don't mind saying that. I, I, I did not like what they did from here, here and now. And then didn't get back into them until All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. Then what came after that? Daybreaker. We're definitely going to talk about it every time I die, though. Yeah, we're going to talk about it every time Sorry, I die. Sorry, we're definitely going to talk about Architects. All these bands, the Comeback Kid, they're, they're, okay, they might not get an episode, they're going to get an album that I'm going to talk about very soon. So, Keith, hopefully you'll get into them by then. Okay. Is that a threat? Architects <laughs> are probably going to get a similar episode to this where we just talk about the discography. Is it so? You're, you're just just as you're sort of identifying that how we mentioned it earlier as well. How every time I die didn't buckle to pressure or sort of industry trends or whatever. Like you're saying, they didn't put in any gravity blasts or or sub bass whatever shit. I'm just looking at their labels. Majority of the time they've spent on either Ferret or Epitaph. Not not labels. I think we've really covered with with bands so far. And dare I say, not particularly big labels. Epitaph is definitely one I knew of before and is a sizable label, I believe. But Ferret's still relatively small. Ferret, that was where your bands like 36 Crazy Fist started. Chimera started. Obviously, every time I die, Eternal Lord, The Devil Wears Prada. Killswitch Engage started on them. But uh, a launching label. like you know, They are they're a launchpad the... label, yeah. They're a... Yeah, exactly. So potentially that's how every time I die have managed to maintain their their own sound is they've not had invasive industry like massive industry labels being like ah we don't think that's going to sell as well so let's try it this way potentially I don't know I'm just throwing that out there maybe I also think they're a band that probably couldn't really diversify much from what they were doing anyway that sound is just I don't think I, I don't think you could ever commercialize it like you know what I mean like make it more radio worthy like to fit that three minute pop track like your architects and your bring me horizons have all managed to achieve I don't think you can it's just a straight up rock band that like to tour no 100% and that like one thing that I do love about every time I die is they can turn a song on a dime like in, 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 a, in a beat. Stick a cowbell can, in there and then suddenly it's a different song. Oh, incredibly. Like, they, they can go from f- from some absolutely driving chords or just some absolute crazy riffage into driving chords or into a beatdown or into just, you know, chuck, yeah, like you say, chucking a cowbell and it becomes a completely different song and it all makes sense and sounds amazing. Yeah, they are. They are just brilliant songwriters. Very much so. And uh, they just can Easy. always, like you say, make something cohesive. And again, another band I compare them to. You mentioned them earlier. There, but Poison the Well, much shorter lived. Uh, sadly, mm. only a handful of albums compared to Every Time I Die. But there's another band that I feel only made good albums. I can't name a bad uh, a bad Poison the Well album. I can't name a bad Poison the Well song. And one of those ones that I can see them coming for a reunion and I really hope it's going to happen. They've done shows, but they've never like regrouped to write. 
and I'd be interested if they mm. did because that would be a a bit of a turning point because can they write they've not released an album since 2008 I want to say when did they release the Tropic Rock 2009 pretty sure, 2009 I'm pretty sorry. sure I've talked about this before or mentioned it before on the pod but for the longest time for too long I could not tell if the band was Poison the Well or Boys in the Well. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Boys oh in God. the Well. Not Poison, as in the band Poison or Snake Poison or Venom or Poison. Boys, as in Boys and Girls. Boys in the Well. <laughs> so yeah, hit up at AOGB Podcast if... Um... If you also Come on, thought poison the, the well, poison the well, it's the same thing. Actually, do you know what? Whilst we're going on that tangent of uh, of of things that are like easily misheard, Vegas or um, vegan? Obviously, I was, <laughs> Vegas or vegan? Yeah, I'll tell you what. We'll add to that one as well. So before this, obviously, uh, I was I was coming in to help uh, to join yourselves the very last minute, and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's any sort of like weird trivia things that I should know. But incidentally, one of the most misheard lyrics by uh, Every Time I Die, and I actually had to stop myself from laughing at the start of this podcast because um, it really got me, is uh, from It Remembers. So the the original lyrics are, I thought I settled my debts that night on the ride home. <laughs> I'm going to try and read this, like, but the misheard lyrics are, I <laughs> I thought I sat on my nuts that night. I sat on my nuts on the ride home. Down. Yeah, so, but every every time I've read that now, I really have to try and stop myself from giggling like oh, a little. I'm just going to bring that up every time we're in a taxi now. I'm just going to be like, I thought I sat on my nuts on the ride oh. home. <laughs> Honestly this though, boys in the well. Boys really. in the well. Get the boys in the well. Yeah. Could it be like a, a Simpsons parody or something like that? You know, like let's 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 do Simpsons songs in the totally. in the in the style of boys in the well. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh man, we should do that. That would be class. Aye, but uh, boys in the well were another ferret band as well. Well, I was actually looking at this as, as well because I just had a memory, right? Because I was a loser and I had like a CD tower and. I had, I think I've mentioned this before, but I had quite a lot of Roadrunner albums. So I put all my Roadrunner albums in like a row in my CD tower because that's what you did in the mid two thousands when you bought lots of CDs, right? Uh, Hot Damn was released on Roadrunner in Europe. Yes, I always thought of them as a Roadrunner band. So did I. But in Ferret, I think Ferret are a feeder label to Roadrunner Records, hundred percent. And I want to think, I thought. Got a phenomenon was as well, but it doesn't appear to be. Well, this is where I'm sure. I wish I could find this DVD now. It was a Roadrunner collection of songs. Obviously, it was it was a European thing that I bought, and I just assumed they were on Roadrunner. And it wasn't until you find it was actually recorded and released in on Ferret, kind of globally. And then I think Roadrunner UK must have handled Ferret's releases in the UK. I assume. Nah, totally, man. But you mentioned. You mentioned Boys in the Well having a comeback or having a reunion. Uh-huh. Do you ever? Th- I don't. At this point in time, I think it's too raw. I think it's too, too fresh. Far too raw, yeah. But do you think we'll ever see an Every Time I Die reunion? No. The way things have ended, no. This is going to be the 
hardcore metalcore scenes variant of the Gallagher yeah, Brothers. Yeah, hundred percent. I knew exactly what you were going to say there, and and I I agree. That's it. That's it, man. Uh, there's no way. I don't see it. I mean, maybe in twenty years, you know, but I doubt it. I just I can't see it. It's just been so raw, man. Like people of you've seen the tweets we've all seen the tweets I think even when it was obvious that they were trying to get a story across whether it was whatever side you were reading you could just it was just nasty even though they were trying not to be it was like wow I think okay. I think because they were putting the band were trying to put just an umbrella message forward. They weren't trying to put detail into anything. They weren't trying to explain anything. They were just trying to blanket. The show has been cancelled because the six day eight got COVID, or the sh- you know we're gonna do TED, but blah blah blah. Do you know what I mean? They they were just trying to like be so on the face of it, if that's even the right metaphor to use here. But then Keith was like, "No, that's a lie. That's you're using my mental health as an excuse." Um, you're uh, that. That's not right. That's not what you said. Here's the 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 NDA or the the cease and desist. You, do you know what I mean? Like we've not, other than the, the the tweet from from Steve, we've not really seen the band's like personal statement yet. And I don't think the band wants to. I think the band has tried yeah. to make this look as professional as possible. Yeah. And. Whether that whether that's right or wrong is is not for us to say. I genuinely feel the band just wanted to after after Keith released that statement at the beginning. I can't remember if it was the beginning of December and November. I think it was like the third of December. Yeah, something like that. After that, I feel that thing the writing was on the wall that things were were bad, and. No, no amount of private talk was going to resolve it within the space of what, how two months before they were coming to Europe. They did tend the season probably out of respect for Buffalo, where they're from. It was a hometown show. Fuck it, they could have ended it on a high. They could have imagine, imagine they came off the stage at that point and being like, "By the way, this is our last show," and it would have been a bit more. A bit less sour, I guess. Does it suggest that there was at least an effort to resolve from both parties? The fact that that Keith did come back for Ted, the fact that, like you say, they didn't call that their last show. They've they've absolutely imploded thereafter. From the only one who's really given any cause for detail was Steve. Yeah. And... Again, it's it's one side of an of a story, and, you know. I, I, and there's five stories. And there's five, yeah, exactly. There's five stories, not just one. We've seen Joe, um, we've seen Keith being exceptionally upfront about his truth, as he refers to it, and the band have basically just said, "We can't. We're, it's an un, in, inamicable situation." And Steve has come out and been like, "I'm sick of this." I want to put it out. It's it's almost as if within the band they they're disagreeing on how to approach the subject, maybe. Or just maybe Steve broke personally and was like, you know, Keith's putting out all this shit. Fuck it, I'm going to reply. I feel bad. I, I feel bad for them because I reckon they are getting shit. 
Yeah, I was just about to say, I, I actually think that when you've seen the statement from Steve, it really rung of, I think, someone getting a really shitty time and being on the receiving end of some really Definitely. shitty comments. You know, that's, that's what it rings of, man. I mean, if you take any band that you've, you've spent any amount of time, especially something like Every Time I Die, I can understand that maybe when it's coming to an end, uh, like I think we touched on it earlier, is Every Time I Die for years, you know, I've probably had a lot of behind the scenes issues. It seems to be that that's my personal opinion, but from what I've seen and what I've read, that's the sort of the, the, the line that you're getting. And it must be really hard to give up on something that you've put like blood, sweat and tears into it. and you've probably given a lot up for. Oh, big time. You know? They'll have lost a lot of themselves as a, as people into that. And when you've got your kiddies on Reddit kicking off, you know, I can understand why a lot of them are well, Steve came out and gave his statement as he did. Some of us it was just within his to. right to do that, I think. Um, Absolutely, I definitely would. I would. I, I haven't really seen comments. I've not really followed too closely on that sort of stuff. But I would not be surprised if a lot of people are giving Jordan shit because that's where I've seen a lot of the focus from Keith's issues are. So whatever the relationship he has with his brother, coming from someone who doesn't have a relationship with their brother, like I can kind of get it like that can just deteriorate and become totally toxic and not a good thing but then it's your brother you're in a band with so like there's an an added complication like it's fucked so I, I definitely thought that I was just you know Keith has been very open about the abuse that Jordan has given him for 20 years like it almost sounds like bullying or absolute mindfuckery for 20 years so if you're reading that and you're just taking that at face value then totally you're going you're, you're gonna to attack Jordan but I just you're right Keith talks a lot about his truth and what is Keith's truth he, he I, I think in one tweet I sort of saw him apologise for for the pain that he's caused the band over the years but then goes straight back into talking about the band the pain have caused him so you, you know there, there's 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 skull fuckery on both sides here Totally. Of course there is. Touring, all the, I mean, the hectic tour schedules that they've probably lived, it's taken a toll mentally, physically, you know, on <laughs> their health. Andy Williams. So, yeah, well, this is it. But then you've also got, I mean, man, like, you know, you should never mix family and business. Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah. You know, it's hard enough being in a band with your mates and not trying to argue with them, you know. If it's your goddamn brother, come off to and then go to Thanksgiving or Christmas together, etc. I think that's what makes it so sad is exactly. because they always seemed like such a solid unit. When whenever they were on stage, they always looked like they were best buds. They were at the end of a show, they would always be out in the crowd taking photos, just chatting shit with whoever walked up to them. Um, they they weren't the type of band that played the show and then fucked off and hid in the back for two hours. No, totally. I've I've got a photo on my phone of me drinking Buckfast with Keith Buckley actually. I've got photos of of um, me and uh, Cheese and and Andy. We've got photos of Riley in a headlock with Andy. <laughs> that was a brilliant photo. You know, it's just, and I've got I've got pictures of Jordan looking spaced out to fuck. <laughs> but they were all yep. good guys. They always seemed like really. They always seemed like good guys. But do you know what I mean? Like they always. I hundred percent agree. They seem like good guys, but we don't know them. We don't know what they were up to. I mean, we don't know. No, we don't. 
but they were always approachable, and that is something that yeah, for the fans, yeah, a lot of bands aren't. Sadly, uh, too many of them aren't. Yeah. Too many of them, like you say, hide out in the dressing room at the end of a show for for an hour and a half, wait till the crowd subside, and then go on to the go back on the bus and head somewhere else. Yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever. Or too many of them playing to five hundred capacity venues think that the the world's greatest rock too star. True. That's the bigger issue. Too it's true. like, man, come on, you know, you're not playing a stadium here, buddy. Can't yeah. Every time I die, though, man. Like I used to always love that if they played, you could always guarantee that they would be out after. Like always guarantee it. You know, maybe not so much. I would imagine maybe not so much with this one. Um, you know, because there was the less drinking. I believe was definitely happening on tour, but. They were always a band that made an effort, yeah. you know, and I'll always, I'll always love that, you know. And I think that was probably one of the things why, like, from the first time I saw Every Time I Die right up to the very last time I've seen Every Time I Die that I enjoyed is, is just that, it's a bit of camaraderie, I suppose, like, you know, with their fans. They're showing you that they're, that they're just like you. They love music. They love doing what they're doing, and that's that's why they were so special. That's why they are so special, you know. Absolutely, I think that's that's what I was trying to, trying to say at the very beginning. That like they they seemed like that. They were, they were a band that were in it because they loved being a band. Yeah, you're right. We you did see them at the end of shows. They were at the merch table after every gig. Like I've got pictures with with uh, with Andy, and and I've seen them in in other other venues, or I've seen the band out at other venues and stuff like that, and. Christ, when we were in Manchester, Jordan signed a symbol for Dean. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, he did. Totally. But like, they, and they always did, and they always did stuff like that, like because Jordan's an amazing graphic artist. I think he's done most of the album artwork. They, um, like, you, they, like I've seen them do like sort of like signed like drum skins and stuff like that, and like that shit just goes at the end of a gig and stuff like that. So they mm. were. I think they were a band. They were a band that genuinely appeared to appreciate the fans. As much as the fans appreciated them, unlike what you're saying for some other bands that are just like, yeah, I'm gonna play this 500 piece venue and then fuck off and rinse the rider and then get back on the bus and do the next show. And that's oh, man. that's you're what totally hurts. Right. I, th- I think that's what's I think that's what's really shit about this band that going that you just you just thought they were a really tight band. And now you're finding out all the stuff that's contrary to that. Yeah, I, I think that's a really a big thing about this as well is the way that this is all ended. Yeah, it's just it is it is so it's, it is such a shame for a band that okay they weren't doing stadium tours but they could certainly go and they could certainly sell out the venues that they were playing in. They had a lot of fans old and young and that's the that's the best part of this band is that I, I think we could have went to this gig that we're supposed to be going to in a couple of days and you would see guys our age guys maybe a wee bit older than us right down to kiddos there for the first time seeing Every Time I Die you know yeah I'm personally I'm glad I didn't see Every Time I Die in a stadium or your SEC or stuff like that I'm glad I went to King Tut's totally. and survived <laughs> an Every Time I Die show do you know what I mean yeah. Like that okay. is, and that that's another appeal to this band that they didn't go and do those big venues. Yeah. Actually, like funny story was, uh, I went and saw, I went to download. I can't remember which download. It was a good while ago. But every time I die, we're playing in the smaller tent. But I wanted to make sure that I was down at the very front so that I could so I could be there. Um, and I basically had to sit through My Chemical Romance, 
first and then it was every time I die right after and honestly the change in crowd was just amazing <laughs> <laughs> it was insane it was well so one thing awesome. I sort of was was going to bring to the table and discuss is featured artists guest artists on every time I die records yeah I think they use mm-hmm. guest artists really really well and I was absolutely surprised to find out that Gerard Way is on Gar Phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Couldn't, couldn't tell you which song he's on Gar Phenomenon. Well, I could if I, if I was to look at the Wikipedia article, but from listening... Uh, uh, who's on... Is it not It Remembers as well? Oh, It Remembers has got... Kill the Music. So Gerard Way is on Kill the Music on Gar Phenomenon. Uh, it's uh, Brendan Yuri that's on It Remembers. Brendan Yuri is the one that sort of stands out for me because... Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Panic at the Disco maybe have had a bit of a resurgence recently, for 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 for, for you know certain song releases and stuff like that. It's basically just Brendan Urie as as a as a solo artist. Is 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 Brendan Urie and uh, and his Twitch and the discos. <laughs> yeah, but is is Brendan Urie on Twitch is the is the reason why they're they're gaining a bit of momentum again as well. Um, it's actually really good to watch. If you ever get a chance, you should totally go check him out, by the way. I actually, it was something I didn't think I would enjoy, but I was like, oh, his streams are quite good. Well, that's that's something I didn't think I'd enjoy. Brendan Yuri on an Every Time I Die record, and you're right, it's on It Remembers from Low Teens. It kills it. Like, it's awesome. Howard Jones is on the first album. Yeah, I was I was quite surprised for Andy Hull on uh, Thing With Feathers. Andy Hull's the, the singer from Manchester Orchestra, which... Again, is is another band I absolutely love, but it's a different stream. It's a different different timeline of of, of band almost. You, I would never mention Manchester Orchestra and every time I die in the same sentence. Yeah, until now they use those. I mean, there's there's artists like like I'm saying Howard Jones on Last Night in Town. Uh, Greg Pucciato is on New Junk Aesthetic. Pete Wentz is also on New Junk Aesthetic from Fallout really? Boy. Yeah, he, he, Fallout Boy used that. to be a hardcore band. Let's just. There's one of those bands that changed up their sound to be and became popular after they changed it. I mean, where when I, I know I know what you're referring to, but I don't think I've ever heard a hardcore Fallout Boy song. Oh, if I, I don't know the name of the band. Whatever band Pete Wentz was in before Fallout Boy, uh, yeah, was. He, yeah. But I've heard the story as well. He was a hardcore bassist. Blah 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 blah. But does that mean Fallout Boy were a hardcore band? Uh, I don't know if you start off right at the beginning, you know. Yeah, there's a couple of little screams. They try and do a couple of little, little uh, breakdowns and beatdowns and stuff like that. But I don't think I've ever heard a hardcore Fallout Boy song or anything I would consider. You look, you look at the album cover. You look at the album cover for "Take This to Your Grave," and it's, it's it reeks of it. That looks like that looks like the Not Loose T-shirt that I own. <laughs> yeah, more reason. To my argument that not loose are just a rip-off band. Anyway. Oh my god, you're gonna have to censor that, mate. I'll censor you, mate. No, you're wrong. Seeing them in a few days as well. Support supported by terror. Where's that? KMU. Right, I'm looking oh, at nice. I'm looking to take this to your grave. <laughs> not a hardcore album record I'm, I'm not saying I'm just saying that they've got all the imagery and they had all the the same influences and all the stuff that makes it up anyway guest vocalists every time I die use them incredibly well 
Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely agreed. Daryl Plumble on Gutter Phenomena. Obviously not her. That's he he's not an oddball selection. <laughs> he was on every album in yeah, that time. Yeah, it? absolutely. What's that? You're doing a you're doing a record? Oh, there's Daryl Plumble, guest vocals. But uh was he was he on Finch? Was he on What is the Burn? Yeah, he's on the Finch album. Or was that just was that just, you know, No that Daryl Plumble was, was on the Finch album. No, oh, and God. I suppose I just wanted to, to, to bring that to to the table and say thanks thanks for all the guest vocalists every time I die. <laughs> There's a few guest musicians as well that I've not sort of bothered to record, but uh, they were a good band and they will be sorely missed. Nineteen ninety eight to twenty twenty two. R.I.P. Every time I die. We could probably call it twenty twenty one, but hey, it's fine. Officially, technically, officially, we did it. officially. yeah. No, but you oh, are. It's very, it is very, very sad. No, I'm genuinely, genuinely bummed out. So, next week, Keith. Wait, what? It's your. T- are we going? Are we wrapping this up? Or have you got anything more to say on every time I die? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to wrap it up. Ball, how do you feel? Hey, I'm fine. I want to know what you're doing next week. Yeah, no, I do as well. I want to know what we're doing next week as well. Is this is this was this technically your episode or is this uh, our episode? Yeah. It was our oh, episode. So oh, well, you're claiming that, are you? you? This is your episode. This is my episode. Go away. This is Boz's episode. What are you doing <laughs> next week, lad? Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm going to send a cease and desist if you don't agree that it's my episode. <laughs> All right, let me get the fucking spreadsheet up. Yeah. Oh, the infamous spreadsheet. Last Just keeps getting bigger. Yeah, last week I brought his Caliban. I've I've never seen it. It's colour coded and everything, mate. Oh. I know. <laughs> I've never seen it though. <laughs> it was mentioned earlier in this episode. The way I discovered it every time I die was on a DVD by Roadrunner Records, Road Rage. On said DVD was also a band that I've not listened to in a long, long time. Oh, this will be a great episode. I want to talk about Chimera, The Impossibility of Reason. Oh. Oofed. Okay. Oofed. You've got Power Trip and Pure Hatred on that. They were on that DVD. And I think I'm going to, I want to put myself through it. I want to go back and No, you're not just putting yourself how... through it. You're putting me through it as well. <laughs> it's okay. I'll I'll listen all week and then we can moan about it next Saturday, Keith. Great, great. Because, yeah, <laughs> Chim- well, we'll get into it, but yeah, I've really got into Chimera. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll be interested to hear what you say next week. Can't, can't wait. Yeah, well, that was every time I die. Does anyone have a... Do we do, do it... Uh, there's too many. There's way, way too many. But just one last time before we say goodbye to every time I die. Does anyone have a favourite lyric? What's, what? Every time I die, what's your first lyric that comes to comes to your mind? Boom, go. Laugh. First lyric. Oh, I want to be dead with my friends. I want to be dead with my friends. Great line. Ball. Oh, I don't know. I know the stripper's real name. I know the stripper's <laughs> real name. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong. <coughs> <laughs> I don't really have one that just bounces out, but yeah. To my mistress, the bridge. I don't feel well. No, 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 no. I know. 
It just reminds me of Brendo, like, all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brent. I should probably text him. I, want to, I should probably see if he's all right after this, to be fair. Oh, man. Brendo, Brendo should have been on this episode. I know, right? I know. Like, hey, should hey probably buddy, how, you, check. how you doing? For anyone who, for, for our listeners at home, our listeners, our listeners don't know who Brendo is. Brendo had, was it Ebola Rama? Yeah. As his first dance at his wedding. Yep. Hell yeah. Like, fuck yeah. Best first dance I've ever seen, apart from my own. Damn but, right. You know. Yeah, no, that was, that was gold. Absolutely. And I didn't know it was coming. It was amazing. Yeah. Good times. Aye. I keep on uh, trying to get Dean to, um, I'm not entirely sure who it is that he's got, but he's got one of the guys from Every Time I Die as his friend on PlayStation. Right. And I'm pretty sure it's pretty sure it's Jordan, and I'm like, and he's like, ah, he's he's uh, he's played Warzone just now, and I'm like, ah, just pick him an invite, mate. <laughs> Let's just get him on. Give him an interview from Vodansk. <laughs> Caldera now, Caldera, sir. Shows my age. <laughs> okay, so we're uh, Lav. We're uh, next week will be Chimera. Do you want to bring us home? I will. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you again to Craig for joining us at short notice. We have been alive or just blethering. Please do check us out on our social channels at AOGB Podcast. Next week, I will be taking us through Chimera, the impossibility of reason. Um, thanks very much for listening. We miss you every time I die. We love you. Rest in peace. Thanks for the memories. Tonight we dance, for tomorrow they release the dogs. In the meantime, we're just thoughtless, incessant, buzzing apparatus. Disillusioned and lonelier than the last man standing. It doesn't get any better than this, so run like hell. <laughs>